when you're thinking about when at some point when life doesn't suck, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, we uh, if we do ever the, the optimist Tim, <laughs> we do the superhero campaign. You would ask the question of people if they wanted to hear just the actual play or just want to hear a recap. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? Did you listen to the uh, podcasts Kingdom the Next Generation recap? Yes. I really enjoyed those. I, I liked, but I also, uh, contrary to Fear the Boots' take on it, I enjoy game stories. You know, I like to hear people talk about their games, but I like to hear them talk about their games when it illustrates a point. I, I think that the actual plays that I have enjoyed have been the ones that are heavily edited. You know, where it's not just a bunch of guys sitting around the, the table goofing. I'm a little bit picky on my actual plays, but yeah. I really enjoy some of the ones that they do over at RPPR, but not all of them. You know, and the one that the one that kicked in the dice bags did was incredible. Escape from White Man's Planet. Yeah, oh, Paul, I know you're not a role player, Paul, but you have got to listen to that if you haven't. The actual play for uh, Chris's game, Escape from White Man's Planet at Fear the Con. It is, you can't even explain what it's like to listen to that thing. Yeah. And normally... The humor doesn't always come through on a podcast, but that was. Oh I yeah, it's laugh out I loud funny. I could listen to it at work. I was laughing too loud. Yeah, it was it was laugh out loud funny. I didn't know how much editing you'd have to do if you hit the if you record the actual play. But if you're thinking you're gonna have to edit that monster, f that. I I, I don't know. It, it could it could go. It could could become something that. Uh, doesn't require a great deal of editing, or it could be something that requires a lot of editing. I think we just have to do it and see. Plus, I'm not real real clear on what uh, – <laughs> did I mute you there, Paul? Uh, um, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you finish first. <laughs> um, I, I just think we kind of have to have to you know play with it a little bit. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like because he's like you know I think it could be something that could be something great you know and you know it, it could work it, it could not and we just have to play with it a little bit, <laughs> slap it around, tease it you know, <laughs> tweak it a little. Uh, Apparently, I wasn't the only one that went out to look for the Triple X Batman parody <laughs> one this morning. All I have to say is I will never look at the Riddler the same way again. <laughs> Jeez. We're getting the director on the show, by the way. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. When, I want to make sure I watch the whole thing before then. <laughs> uh, probably in the next couple weeks. Right now, he's filming uh, an Avatar porno <laughs> in 3D. <laughs> Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. I'm Wayne, and I guess I'm just that much more amazing since Jonathan's not here. And this is Tim. And you know, your amazingness does shift by the by by those accessing the pool of amazing. So there's fewer people in the pool, so there's more amazing for everyone. That's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so all I have to do is take out Tim and Jonathan, and then I will be the amazing one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, yeah, yeah, but we're still not changing the name of the show. It'll still be Funny Books with Aaron and Polly <laughs> and their amazing friend. We won't put your name in the title. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the A Team yesterday. Oh, Paul. What? <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, I was I was planning on it. I was just waiting because my wife wanted to take her dad on Father's Day. To the eighteen, so I just yeah. don't know how it can be good. I want it to be good, but how can it be good? It's just an insane amount of fun. I really loved it. My wife even loved it. Huh. Um, you know, it was it was just honestly, you know, I've seen a couple of films this summer. You know, I saw Iron Man two, um, which I enjoyed. I saw Prince of Persia, which was pretty good. You know, I'd say hands down, this is the film I've enjoyed the most this summer so far. I haven't seen much in the uh, in theaters this season, other than Iron Man two and How to Train Your Dragon, but I did just finally get Avatar in from Netflix, and I watched that for the first time 
couple nights ago. And I was completely and totally underwhelmed. Was yeah. not yes. impressed at all. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think Avatar was a particularly good movie. I think there were th- some things that are pretty about it, but I did not enjoy that film. I could see how it would be a better experience actually – you know, at the theater in 3D and having on the big screen because it was a pretty movie, but wasn't the story is nothing we haven't seen before in a hundred other movies. The ending was completely predictable. The characters were fairly flat, and it wasn't the, it didn't even look that good. But yeah. I'm sure it did on the big screen in 3D. But oh, oh, I was going to say, you know, there are people in Dallas and St. Louis right now stripping down to loincloths, painting cells blue, grabbing spears. And hunting your asses for saying that. <laughs> I'm sure now. there are, you know, but it, it blows my mind that it gets this huge credit for being a beautiful film, right? And all I could think of is, you know, it's entirely computer generated, except for the scenes with the humans in them, right? Yeah. You know, but for the rest of it, it's like Shrek. You know, I mean, yeah, it, it's entirely computer generated. How difficult is it to make a beautiful, com- completely computer generated film? You know? Yeah. As I'm looking at these things walking around, I'm thinking. They could have had Pixar done this. It would have looked better, and it would have actually had a story. Well, it would have had a story that you haven't seen, you know, in Dances with Wolves, you know, which did it better. That yeah. is true. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you could have had an original music by Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, what kind of world evolves where you take your hair and you plug it into every creature? <laughs> It just, that world doesn't logically make sense. It look the world itself looks like wow, except you have hair that you plug into creatures. What's well, plug and play? You say it's it's this whole USB yeah. thing. How and why? It makes no sense. You know, you're just you're just asking too many questions. You'll enjoy it more if you just sit back and take it. <laughs> 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 the CBA team highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you guys seen the uh, the uh, teasers and the solicits for Shadowlands from Marvel? No, yes. I haven't. I think it's great that Marvel is bringing the story of a passionate American divorcee, you know, go traveling over to to, to the United Kingdom and meeting C.S. Lewis and falling into this passionate relationship. I think it's great that they're bringing that into Marvel continuity. Ah, yeah, wrong Shadowland, but you know. <laughs> Actually, the the uh, teaser art for Shadowlands uh, really has me intrigued. Uh, apparently, you know, uh, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, is, has been influenced a little bit more uh, by the hand than we expect, and there's going to be this big street level thing. And, and the the teaser art that really uh, got me going on this this week was when I saw the one with Iron Fist and Luke Cage and the uh, and Elektra. And I was just like, ooh, that looks really good. Uh, Luke Cage is in there. I guess that means Jonathan can't read it because he's in a team <laughs> book. <laughs> well, you know, the thing when I was um, – because I, I kind of stopped reading Daredevil on a monthly basis. Same here. Um, it's written by Andy Diggle right now. And it's it's actually good. It's just one of those things that I feel would read better in trade. Um, but when I was reading it, it, basically he had just started this underground prison. Where him and the hand were taking, you know, the corrupt cops and all the criminals, and they were putting them in their own prison. They weren't sending them to to real jail. They were putting them in Shadowland. That's the name of the the oh. hand's prison. Um, you know, he was kind of like, you know, you know, the the cops are corrupt. We can't put them in a real jail. We're going to put them in our jail. Um, and is C.S. Lewis down there in the jail? C.S. Lewis is down there. Okay, all right. And uh, <laughs> but they haven't fallen in love yet. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I am really excited about Shadowland. Uh, what kind of pisses me off about it, though, is every time I look at something, I see another announcement of another tie-in book. Yeah. There's like umpteen tie-in one-shots to this one storyline, and it's just kind of frustrating. Right. Well, like uh, yourself, I've been reading Daredevil and Trade. You know, I started reading Daredevil and Trade when Bendis was writing the title. And then, you know, uh, when Brubaker took it over. So uh, I don't think I've read – I don't know how long Diggle's been writing it, but I haven't read any of Diggle's stuff yet. Yeah, he's been writing it since the Return of the King storyline, okay. um, which was Brubaker's last arc. And I think it ended at 700. Uh-huh. So Diggle's only been on the title for, I don't know, um, ever since Dark Reign ended. Or I'm sorry, issue 500. Um, so really not that long. It's only been probably about 
10, 12 issues, something like that. Do you know if they've collected anything in trade of his yet? I think the first trade is due out, honestly, either this month or next. That's good timing. Because, you know, I, I think I'm going to pick up the Shadowland and Floppy, depending on how many. I, I'm a little scared about all the tie-ins you've uh, you've mentioned. So The tie-ins, you know, they're all about some of the, you know, they have a Bullseye tie-in, a Moon Knight tie-in. And that, I think that's what frustrates me even more, is that the tie-ins sound interesting. So they sound like things I want to buy. Right. You know, it's not like Blackest Night Wonder Woman, which I could give a shit about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's Shadowland, Moon Knight, written by Greg Hurwitz. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's written by the, the guy who actually writes the Moon Knight book that I like. So we'll see. Um, but, you know, I, I do recommend the Diggle Run if you can find it in trade or in your uh, quarter bins or whatever. Cool. Because it, it is good so far. It's just, I, I've, you know, it, it's better in chunks rather than bites. Yeah. Well, I, I really, the Daredevil character has been so good since, uh, well, since Kevin Smith started writing on that title way back when and then you know from what bendis picked up and you know transitioned over to brubaker it's just it is a solid solid story i just absolutely love those books so i'm, I'm eager to see what diggle's done what diggle's done um <laughs> <laughs> but um you know moving right in from the Shadowlands to the brightest day we have justice league generation lost this week and i think uh, wayne and i both read this book i didn't care for this issue yeah i didn't either Remember all the issues I had with the first issue where I found myself just not caring about the characters that are actually characters I really like? Yeah. I have the same issue here. I don't care about any of these characters in this book. And I like all these characters. I don't know why I don't care about them. I mean, it's got to be the writing. Yeah, I I, I think it kind of comes back to, for me, it's here we are on issue three. I didn't feel like the story advanced anywhere. Yeah, and nothing happened. In fact, some of the stuff that we saw in issue two is exactly what we saw in issue three. For instance, the whole scene with fire flipping out, you know, that's Max Lord over there and, you know, practically burning a man to death. And it's not really Max Lord because he's screwing with her head. Well, you know, we've seen that in previous issues. And, you know, you'd think they'd go, you know what? We probably shouldn't just go all out on somebody until we have, you know, made absolutely sure that it's actually Max Lord because, you know, he can screw with our heads. And we know that. Yeah, and really the Omacs, aren't we done with them yet? I yeah. know I'm done with them. Well, and every time an Omac shows up, I lose interest. I yeah. just really – I hate the Omacs as a character device. I really, really do. Yeah, I, I just you – know, I, like I don't like the design you know, artistically. I don't like the design conceptually. I don't like anything about the Omacs. They were done better when X-Men did them with Operation Zero Tolerance Yeah, when they were Sentinel. Yeah. Better yeah. concept there. Yeah. So I, I, I thought uh, issue three was a big miss. I mean, I, I really I, I don't think there's anything I liked about this book. You know, yeah. In fact, the cover, I, I remember I was looking at the cover and I don't get it. You've got on the cover, you've got the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle unzipping an image behind him that is of the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. And, you know, it's, it's splitting, you know, his face on, uh, as the, the zipper is like sp- splitting a canvas, not unzipping Blue Beetle's pants. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's unzipping and it looks like, you know, revealing, you know, Jaime Reyes behind him. But I don't get that. I, it doesn't make any sense to the story that we read in this book. And I just didn't get the cover. Yeah, I mean, the only positive thing I have to say about it is the artist does a really good job drawing female characters. Yes, I mean, both fire and ice, when they're in their human forms, look amazing in this book. Yeah. But that's the only positive thing I have to say about it. Well, and I was kind of amused at, at, at ice. Her, her contribution to this book was anytime a conflict arose, we should run. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should GTFO right now. I mean, hey, if you had died as many times as she had, wouldn't you want to run too? <laughs> Saying she's a little gun shy there, Wayne. <laughs> I'm saying that she's the she's the Kenny of the JLI. <laughs> that sounds like every D and D character I've ever played, though. Yeah. <laughs> we should go. Don't open. Oh that my door. god! They killed Ice. You bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, Justice League Generation Lost. As much as I like number two, I I dislike number three uh, quite a bit. So there you go. But I can tell you a book that uh, that I did like. In the Brightest Day books, even though it doesn't have a Brightest Day banner on it, and I've yet to understand why it doesn't, um, is Booster Gold number 33. Yeah, it's 
the whole Max Lord missing thing is being told much better in Booster Gold than it is in Justice League Generation Lost. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I am much more interested in the storyline that's going on here versus the storyline that's going on in G- Generation Lost in issue three. Uh, first off, the, I, I love the cover. Though this scene doesn't really appear <laughs> in the book, Booster really doesn't get beaten the hell out of in this book, but uh, it, it is on the cover, and I, I do like it. The thi- One of the things that really amuses me, you know, ever since 52, um, Rip Hunter's chalkboard has been a big deal in the DC universe. There's notes and, you know, little little tells on, on uh, things that are going to happen in the DC universe. You know, I remember uh, back during 52, there would be there are 52 worlds or something like that on there. Uh, so, you know, there been a lot of interesting little clues as to what's going on. Well, this little girl that uh, Booster picked up an issue issue two or so ago um, is hanging out with them, and she's drawing on Rip Hunter's chalkboard, which just cracks me up. And, you know, I really hated her character in the first issue she was in, uh-huh. but she's really growing on me now. Yeah. Well, she's I, not quite so annoying. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know how you pronounce her name. Is it Ronnie or Rainy? But uh, did you draw a pony on the blackboard? <laughs> <laughs> and then she draws a pretty butterfly. <laughs> I just find that very amusing. And the, the the thing where Booster travels back to his original d- days with the Justice League and you know tries to interact with them, I just I thought that was hysterical. I just I, yeah. I really got a kick out of this book. I love that Manhunter saw right through it. Yeah. I love that he had to deal with his older immature self and you know Black Canary screaming at him for a, an yeah. article. Yeah, it was I good stuff. I didn't like that the videotape just vanishes. Yeah, that seemed a, a little too uh, a little too easy for the story complication. Yeah, it was too ham-fisted. It, yeah. Something else should have happened. I mean, it's not like when he went back to stop Barbara Gordon from being uh, from being handicapped, she didn't just suddenly get handicapped. I mean, right? It something happened to make sure it still happened, and that didn't hap- happen here. It just disappeared. Yeah. No, I, I, I really got a kick out of this book. And did you enjoy Brigadoom? <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have done without Brigadoom. <laughs> Brigadoom was hysterical. Cracked me up. Anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. I shockingly didn't read any Brightest Day books this week. Shocking. Shocking. But I did buy four Heroic Age books this week, um, which – you know, I, I there were two brand new issues, one miniseries, and only one ongoing um, that came out this week. Uh, starting with Invincible Iron Man number twenty-seven, and uh, I think all of us read this except Tim, right? I think that's correct. Sounds right. So, so what did you guys think of this issue? I enjoyed it. I never read any of the rescue stuff, so I'm kind of interested to see what her costume is going to be like when it, you know, when he builds her the new armor. But I'm enjoying the storyline, the whole having to rebuild himself and all the character interactions. It's not a lot of Iron Man action. I mean, I think we only see him in armor maybe once the entire book, but I'm enjoying it. I uh, I really dug this book uh, up until one point, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. But let me tell you, tell you about what I really liked. I enjoyed all the talky bits. You know, there, there was a lot of conversation going on in this book. You know, Pepper wants, you know, at the end of uh, at the end of the last Iron Man arc, you know, leading into Siege, they had removed the Stark technology from Pepper, which she had used to power her rescue armor, and put it into Tony. Right. So, um, you know, she's wanting armor back. And she's really gung-ho for the armor, and he's not wanting to give her armor because he doesn't want her getting hurt, yada, yada. And so she's kind of manipulating circumstances to make that happen. And one of the things that she does is she brings back one of my favorite Iron Man supporting characters, which is Mrs. Arbogast. I've always enjoyed that character from way back in the day. So it was nice to see Mrs. Arbogast come back and you know get to talk to her. And so it's all these talky bits. I mean, there's there's no you know punches being thrown. Nobody's in armor. It's just you know uh, a lot of characters stuff going on and so i fall out of the book um i'm flipping to the exact page when um tony goes in to talk to roadie in his war machine armor 
And I, from those that page on, I lost interest. I wasn't interested in anything that was going on in those pages. Between, yeah, I don't know what's up with Rhodey in there. I mean, yeah, I didn't get it either. Yeah, not only that, the conversation seemed disjointed to me. It was weird, you know. And the the artwork style changed a little bit, and I I don't quite understand it. You know, there's uh, Rhodey's face looks a lot more like the digital artwork in the uh, War Machine series for Max for the Max line, and it just seemed. His face seemed out of contrast with Tony's face in the armor, and I just it, it just it looked off to me. And yeah, that, it looked to me like they were trying to make it look more like the movie Rhodey. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I just from from the, from that page to the end of the book, I was not interested. So, yeah, were, did either of you read the whole arc where Tony was on the run? I read the first half. I have not read the second half yet. I am wondering when they flash back to it, what happened between him and Pepper during that time? Because they do this flash to the scene where she's on his lap and they're kissing, and I'm kind of curious what I missed out on. Well, he tapped. Oh, yeah, they hit it. Yeah, yeah, they hit it. But he also did it with uh, Maria Hill. And well, the yeah. <laughs> and can you blame him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him and him and Pepper finally, you know, consummate their stuff, but. You know, and I don't know, but the, there's stuff. <laughs> there's stuff. Well, my question is the flashback. And this is a storytelling thing. You know, who's remembering? Is it him remembering and then lying about it, or is it her remembering, or is it just them telling us what happened? You know, because I'm I'm trying to figure out if he's lying that he doesn't remember. You know, am I the only one who had that confusion there? I no, think, I was wondering the same thing. No, I think he's lying about some stuff. I think that he is. Uh, he is uh, not being exactly forthcoming about how much he remembers. Yeah, he's got to keep it. Uh, you got to keep it topical. She uploaded Stark technology. <laughs> <laughs> Again, plug and play. <laughs> yeah, he plugged his hair into her. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I do like this book. I did enjoy it. You know, but every issue, I guess this is the third issue since Heroic Age? Yes. Or only the second? I think third. It's the third. And, and, you know, we've gotten mostly just talking for three issues. And, you know, I get that. I, I do, but, you know, I, I like a little bit of action, a little bit of Iron Man action in my Iron Man books. Mm-hmm. And thus far, there has been none. I mean, there have been the Detroit Steel stuff, but I don't think there's been any Iron Man action since the Heroic Age began in the last three issues. And, you know, we had the same issues with the Stark Disassembled storyline uh, during Siege and before Siege. You know, it, 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 it for me, it feels like it's just kind of dragging. You know, I, I get the decompressed storytelling, but, you know, it just kind of seems like nothing is happening. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and like I said, I really enjoyed the talkie parts, except with the War Machine part. You know, yeah, I um, don't know why he was there and I don't know why he's being so bleak and depressed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. You know, I get him and Stark had a, a thing. <laughs> they hit it too. During Stark. <laughs> is there anybody he didn't hit? And is that why he's forgetting? Because he doesn't want to have to remember that. <laughs> Maybe. You know, well, he thought he was dying. So, <laughs> you know, seize the day. Carpe diem, my friend. Um, but I'm going to say with Iron Man, <laughs> I, I might give it till the end of this arc, but if I have the same feeling that I do about it with this issue, I might just end up doing like I do with Daredevil and pick it up in trade. Because it seems like it's going to read so much better in trade than it does as floppies. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Carpe Rhodey. Carpe Rhodey. <laughs> <laughs> well, a new series started this week, Avengers Academy. Uh, the first issue came out written by Christos Gage uh, with art by Mike McCone. And um, this features – it's kind of like the new initiative. Uh, it's, it's a team of young Avengers who are under the tutelage of Hank Pym, Tigra. So too bad Jonathan's not here to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Justice, Speedball, and Quicksilver. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what you guys thought of it. Well, I guess just Wayne. Wayne, what do you think of it? Uh, this did not hit a home run for me. It's not that I didn't like it. I mean, it's I enjoyed what I read, but it was a kind of lackluster first issue for me, and it was predictable. I called the ending within the first five, six pages. Yeah. 
and you know we're we might as well spoil the ending because it's already been spoiled everywhere on the internet. You know, they're told these new Avengers are told that they're the the brightest. You know, they they basically were picked by Norman Osborn and they were tortured by Norman. They're the Osborn. best of the best of the best. Yeah, exactly. But what if, what they find out is that they're not the best of the best of the best. They are, in fact, the most likely to become supervillains. Yep, they're the ones uh-huh. the most broken, the ones that were all tortured by Osborn and the highest risk. So, you know, that's why these, you know, the Avengers, Hank Pym and, and the group are trying to make them good, you know, teach them to do the right thing. Um, and, you know, again, it is a bit of a predictable ending. It's not that shocking. And um, I can't lie. I just, you know, and Christos Gage, nice guy. Um, and this is a, a good it's, – it's not a bad read. I will say that. It's not a bad book, but it just didn't excite me. Yeah, I've same impression exactly. You know, I have picked up the other Avengers books uh, that have come out since since uh, Siege. But uh, when I was standing in front of the, 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 the new release comic rack, I was looking at it. I was going, you know, there's Avengers Academy and there's Young Allies, which both seem to be very similar books, you know, on the cover anyway. And I was like, you know, which which of these should I get? I really don't want to get both. And because I couldn't make up my mind, I bought neither. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I guess we've said what we had to say about Avengers Academy. So moving on to Young Allies, I think it's interesting that we had two brand new team books, young team books, released on the same day from Marvel. One was kind of lackluster and the other was a steaming pile of shit. Well, and, and <laughs> I, honestly, I think that hurt their sales. I mean, I, I, they seemed so similar, at least in theme. That I was like, eh, I'm just not going to get either one of them. So, it, well, <laughs> apparently, Young Avengers didn't didn't float your boat, but Young Allies was was really really terrible. I hated this book. I don't care about any of these characters. I don't see the point in putting any of them together because I don't think they mix well. I didn't care for the story, and we've seen the bad guy blowing up and doing severe damage before. It, yeah. Okay. I got to ask. It a failed question. on all fronts. I have to ask Wayne a question. All right. Because, Wayne, you like every shitty female young character in comic books, but you don't like Aranya or Nomad or Firestar? Actually, I do like Firestar. Okay. I was about but, to say, uh, what? Isn't Nomad the character that came over from the from the uh, alternate universe? Yeah. Yeah, from yeah. the... The Liefeld universe? universe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, she annoys me. The... Uh, Aranya, I just don't care about. I don't know when she lost her powers. My wife was a huge fan of the original series and read it all, you know, as it came out. But I hated her then too. The last time I saw Aranya, she had gotten her uh, helmet thing ripped off her head in the Ms. Marvel book. But that was the last time I saw her. Yeah, I don't know what's been going on with her since then. I know some stuff happened in Amazing Spider-Man. Ah, but I don't know. You know, and I won't know what happens to her after then because I'm not picking up the second issue of this one. Yeah, and that's something you know, Young Allies. I, I it almost reads like a whinier Marvel Adventures book to me. Um, yeah. and why are they calling it Young Allies? The only character that really would fit with that name is Nomad, and not really as Nomad. Yeah. So I, I'm not entirely sure. You know, it, it's. I I really didn't care for it either, and I hate to say that, but you know what? At the same time, two number one issues I picked up this week, I will not be picking up number two for. Wow. The, neither wow. one, you know, neither one was good enough. You know, I, I'm, I'm I have to get pickier with my choices, and uh, you know, these two were just not good enough to get me even interested to give them a second chance. Yeah, I will give Avengers Academy another issue, and they have one more issue to win me over because it wasn't bad. It was just really lackluster. Yeah. The only thing that pisses me off with Avengers Academy is that I know I don't want to continue buying it, but they're doing a crossover with Jeff Parker's Thunderbolts in a couple of issues. But I guess I'll just pick up those issues if I have to, you know. Um, but currently, I just, you know, again, not bad, but not good enough. Yeah. So it sounds like Aaron and I dodged two bullets. Congratulations. I am so excited about that. I can't begin to tell you. Usually I'm the guy that makes the wrong decision. I won't pick up that book. And then you guys are going, oh, it was the most awesome thing ever. Aaron's lame. And, uh, <laughs> you know, now now, well, I, now I win. I win. 
No, well, I, you still I, lose. I won't say that that's the most awesome thing ever, but I will say Aaron's lame. Uh, but you still lose because you didn't pick up prince of power number two this you know i meant to i forgot all about prince of power when i was at the store it was it was not my intent to not pick up prince of power tim and i read this and uh i i still loved it just as much as issue one yeah this, this book continues to be ridiculously funny and cool um uh, and you know what was funny, Paul? I didn't even notice this in the first one, and I got to go back and double check. But have you read like the, you know, the 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 word bobbles for the for the sound effects? Yeah, some of them are like funny sound effects. <laughs> he hits he hits a Norseman, and it says Swedish. I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, if you yeah. look at the sound effect when him and um, Hercules first attack each other, it says crossover. Yeah. Yes. Um, Um, you know there's a ton of funny stuff in this book Uh, Aaron this book is totally up your alley because we get the return of the Pantheon from Peter David's Incredible Hulk run I know that's why I was going to pick it up I know in fact I'm going to have to go out and get it today I can't lie the one weakness of this book is that there are a lot when I say a lot I mean at least two on every page of references to other books um, you know, there, there's the little editor's notes literally all over this book. Oh, this happened in Prince of Power, blah, blah, blah. This happened in Fall of an Avenger. This happened in, you know, you know, Incredible Hulk, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of that stuff, but... Um, Are you saying you don't like that? Well, no, I like that there's editor's notes. I've read a lot of that stuff, so I wasn't too disconcerted about it. Right. But someone who, you know, like the Peter David run on Incredible Hulk... Someone who didn't read that might be a little confused as to who some of these characters are. I see. Oh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't read that run, and I was. I was okay. Really? I think you. Yeah. Maybe, okay. Well, that's good. I mean, I, that there's, I guess, a, a point of view from someone who hasn't read it because I read the Peter David run, and I loved. I, I especially loved the Pantheon stuff. Um, but this book is is great. It really is. It is funny. It the art is. I love the art on it too. Art was art was very very good. Uh, it's you, very hard to talk about this book without wanting to just talk about all the laughs, though. <laughs> so yeah, I, you I get some funny I, stuff out of Thor's mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Um. So yeah, without without going, you know, tagline for tagline, I, I think Paul and I can just say this was a really good book again, and you guys should try to hunt these down because they're awesome. Yeah, it's well. a four issue miniseries. Seek it out. I will be picking up issues one and two today. Continuing the Marvel love, I guess, because uh, I guess this was a heavy Marvel week for me. I think I only bought one DC book. Oh, two. But uh, Second Coming, Chapter 10 came out this week, which is Uncanny X-Men issue 525. And uh, it continues the Second Coming storyline. And I guess that's really all we can say about it, because that's basically all that happened. Um, I can say I was disappointed (laughs) by it, actually. There were a number of things that disappointed me in this book that... Yeah, it was cool to see the Fantastic Four show up and helping the Avengers out there, and I'm sure Jonathan will hate that, like he hated the Avengers being there. But I do like the assembly of heroes outside trying to get into this bubble. But there was a lot I didn't like in this book. I thought it was stupid to have the uh, basically the poster from Days of Future Past with all the dead X-Men. I thought it was stupid to have that hanging on a wall this far into the future. Why would they even have that? Why would they... Why would you make a poster to hang on a wall of everyone that's been killed just outside? If you want to put it in a trophy room, okay, that makes sense. But here, it it made no sense. The way that uh, Archangel is behaving makes no sense. Why would he be panicking at a poster where that shows them dead? I mean, he's he's in the future. He's probably dead anyway. They know that the mutants have been wiped out in the future. Why is he panicking? It makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. You know, that, you know, even Wolverine freaks out when they first go to the future. He's like, oh, whoa, we're in trouble now. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I only see two Sentinels in a post-apocalyptic world. How many times have we seen that before? Um, yeah. Why are they, yeah, why are they in trouble now? I mean, they went to the future knowing we're going to this place where there are thousands of Sentinels they're sending back in time after us. What does he expect to find? Butterflies and ponies? <laughs> yeah, and I don't understand their plan. Oh, we need to just kill them all. Didn't they bring Doug Ramsey in there to, like, hack the system? No, no, we need to kill them all. Oh, okay. 
Really? <laughs> well, that's what happens when you let Wolverine lead your team. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, and the I, artwork on the last page. Well, I, yeah, it is the last page. Looking at Thing's hand, his hand is blistering from punching an energy barrier. Really? It's Thing. It's a rock hand. You want it to chip away? Okay. Don't peel it back and blister a rock hand. <laughs> that looked a little odd to me, too. I have to admit that. You know, I, mean, I, am, I am on board for the storyline. I'm really enjoying this crossover. But this is the first issue that after I read it, there have been a couple issues where nothing really happened. This is the first one where after I read it, I'm like, wow, that wasn't good. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't lie. This series, this storyline has lost a lot of momentum since the death of Nightcrawler. Um, that seemed to be like the turning point. And those stuff has happened since then, like the bubble and the Sentinels coming back. It seemed like almost like Blackest Night. They hit the ground running and then they just maintained their steady pace. They've lost of, their you know, focus accelerate. now. Yeah, and this they, book. I'm sorry. Go ahead. They had a definitive purpose before Nightcrawler's death. It was get to Hope, get her to the island. Well, now that that's happened, it's just it, the series has completely lost its focus. It's all over the place. Yeah, and not only that, you know. Uh, I was talking about this with Iron Man, and I hate to say it because it's the same writer on this book as it was with Iron Man. The decompressed storytelling. Literally, Uncanny X-Men 525 is three pages worth of material stretched out to 22. I mean, you have one page with Hope telling Cyclops she hates him, one page with the the, the X-Force getting to the future, and the other page showing the new Avengers trying to get in the bubble. That is all that happened in this issue. And it's stretched out to 22 pages. Well, you know, the, the one thing I wanted to talk about that I found interesting, um, and of course it didn't have anything to do with X-Men, because I, I hated the Avengers showing up, and now that the Fantastic Four have showed up, I'm like, okay, I guess there's a point. It's not a marketing thing. But you got Reed Richards, you got Iron Man, you got Dr. Nemesis, and all of a sudden Bucky Cap's like, okay, this is how it's going to be, gentlemen. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's almost written like he's Steve Rogers. Right, right. Everybody's like, okay. Yeah. No one's yeah. like, screw you, Bucky. <laughs> Where are you in the line of world's smartest people? Oh, right. <laughs> number five billion? <laughs> yeah, and I like how he phrased it, how he's he's looking at the bubble, and he's like, okay, Dr. Richards, Nemesis, Tony, figure out what this is. Tell me the weakness. Thing, Thor, just get me inside. <laughs> It's like, okay, do all the scientific stuff. You guys go off, do what you're going to do. You too. Hit it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to go get a martini and watch and be a supervisor. Go. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm going to go have sex with Black Widow in the van. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is the Captain America I like. You show up, you give orders, and then you go bang Black Widow. <laughs> Coming soon, Captain America XXX. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There probably will be when the movie comes out. Just saying. <laughs> We can only hope. But really, every book we've talked about thus far has been nothing but preamble to the book that everyone is waiting to hear about, Batman number 700. Aaron, it was awesome and you're lame. (laughs) Except it it wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I, I, I read stuff on Twitter with people saying how awesome it was. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. So I'm, I'm eager to hear what you guys thought. Well, you know, every time I read about a Grant Morrison book, you know, I read the reviews and stuff, because I didn't hit the comic shop till Friday this week. Um, So there were all the reviews out already. Whenever I find that everyone else does not like a Grant Morrison story, I find that I like it. Right. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, that was not the case this time, (laughs) Um, because there were a lot of negative reviews on this issue, at least with comic book resources and sites like that. So I was like, oh. I might actually enjoy this one. It might actually make sense to me. And sadly, it's still not that good. Um, now, I will say I didn't hate it, but for but for issue 700, how yeah. many books have reached issue 700? I can think of maybe one or two more. You know, maybe Archie and Super. Action Comics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Detective Comics. You know, but still, a handful more have reached yeah, 700. It's the Superman titles, it's the Batman titles, and Archie. You're absolutely right. But this book, 
<laughs> and Deadpool. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish. But someday, someday, the Pet Avengers. Hopefully. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> but this just felt like a lackluster celebration. It didn't feel like an anniversary issue. It didn't even feel like a big deal. To be honest with you, it just it almost felt like an annual. Yeah. More than a 700, you know, an issue 700. You've got three different Batman as part of essentially the same story spread out over time. Then you have like a page of Batman Beyond that gives you no story whatsoever. It's just a, hey, here's the character and Bruce is watching him. And then you go even further into the future to see another Batman and even further to see another Batman. One, two pages tops, no story related to any of them. Just, hey, we're throwing this person on the page. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a little weird. Um, you know, it, 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 Grant Morrison, you know, in order to tell three different storylines um, using three different Batman, you have Bruce Wayne, uh, Dick Grayson, and then you have the Damian Wayne Batman who last appeared in Batman number 666, which was a damn good issue, by the way. Um, you know, he, he uses time travel, a time travel storyline, which honestly, in the end, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And, um, you know, and, and then you get, like you said, the appearance of Terry McGinnis as uh, – actually, you see Terry McGinnis as a baby being saved by Damian Wayne from, you know, the future version of Two-Face. Yeah, a Joker baby at that. Yeah, he's been infected with the Joker serum. Um, and then you see him as an adult as Batman Beyond, and you see him under the tutelage of Bruce Wayne. But it's a little confusing because why isn't Damian Wayne under the tutelage of Bruce Wayne you know, if that takes place before Batman Beyond. Exactly. Where is Bruce for Damien? Why does Damien have to be Batman to begin with? They need to kill the character, and if they're going to make a future Batman, it should be Tim. Well, you know, I can't lie. If you if you read Batman 666, it's actually a really good issue. Um, so I actually do enjoy seeing Damian Wayne as Batman, as the future Batman. Um, I just don't enjoy seeing him as Robin, I guess. But, you know, it, I ultimately... I mean, the book just, it's really not that good. I mean, I just, I'm sorry to say it. And, you know, not only that, you know, so they, they get this, what they consider, I guess, the, the best Batman artists around right now, right? So you've got the Bruce Wayne Batman storyline by Tony Daniel, who, okay, he did the Batmans. He's, you know, he did a lot of work with Grant Morrison. And then you've got the, the, um, the future Batman stuff, the Damian Wayne Batman stuff by Andy Kubert. And I think he did a damn good job with his art. Now, you've got the current-day Batman, the Dick Grayson Batman stuff, by Frank Quitely and Scott Collins. Because even though there were only eight pages, Frank Quitely couldn't get them done. The last three pages had to be done by Scott Collins. Seriously? The dude couldn't finish eight pages in time for this for the release of this book? You had to bring in Scott Collins to finish his stuff? Just to round it out, how about half a book full of posters and artwork? Yeah. You know, it... it it, and it's a $5 book, a $5 book for a 31-page story and then a couple of posters. So, you know, it, it's really not worth the $5 admission cost. And, and I can't recommend it, even though I did enjoy the Damian Wayne stuff. And that, I mean, and did you? I, I liked the art in that piece, but I felt that was the only strong art in the book. Pretty much, I mean, yeah, huge disappointment. I should have known better. I I bought a Grant Morrison book. I I knew what I was getting. I can't even yeah. I can't even say that you know that I've been fooled by the Grant Morrison. No, I know he's a hack. Yeah, but you know what they should have done? Honestly, it's Batman number seven hundred. They should have scrapped the Return of Bruce Wayne as a six issue storyline that no one likes anyway, and just compressed the storyline for Batman number seven hundred. 700 would have been the perfect opportunity to bring Bruce Wayne back, I yeah. think, you know, and made the issue important yep. instead of just this throwaway tale that really doesn't have any effect on any type of continuity and actually kind of conflicts with its own continuity. So, but wait, that's a Grant Morrison uh, trait right there. Yeah, and you know <laughs> you what? Know. Just like Avatar, we are just dumb. We just don't get it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really am of the mind that uh, Grant Morrison has no business writing mainstream comics. I mean, he, he and and I blame DC for this, and and they will 
brand things like, you know, this is going to be a great superhero comic. But Grant Morrison really doesn't write that. He 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 is he is much more appropriate to Vertigo books. I just I really don't think that he is well suited for writing your mainstream superhero stuff. I just I don't I don't I think he is a poor poor match. I was going to say so to translate what Aaron said. If you do mushrooms and then read a Grant Morrison book, it comes out better. So he's yeah. right Vertigo. <laughs> yeah, but you know DC is kind of full of writers like that. Um, you know Grant Morrison isn't the only writer that I feel DC tried to fit in a superhero mold when they really belong better in a vertigo mold. You know, I feel writers like Brian Azzarello, James Robinson, yeah. uh, you know, Greg Ruck, uh, he did okay with Batwoman, but he kind of lost my interest really quick. Um, and I, I feel like some of their writers are better suited for either crime books, you know, like, you know, like Gotham Central would be perfect. It was perfect for Greg Rucka, but a Batman book, not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know they're they're trying to fit some of these non-superhero writers into superhero molds, and just like Grant Morrison, it just it doesn't really work. I agree. You know, there are very few writers that can do both. You know, people like Brew Baker can do both. Um, Bendis, but you know, Morrison's not them, I guess. No, not at all. By any stretch of the imagination, he is not. You know, I, you've got guys who can write really deep. You know, they're superhero books, but they're really deep. They're three dimensional. They can tell deep, deep stories. You got Jeff Johns, you got Ed Brubaker, you got Bendis, you've got Matt Fraction. I mean, these guys can all write that kind of stuff. Um, I, Grant Morrison just can't. I mean, he is much more suited for something that's a little bit more artsy, a little bit more abstract, something that is not going to be, like I said, quite so mainstream. It's like a difference between an indie filmmaker and a, you know, a mainstream filmmaker. And I just, I, I don't, I just don't think that. Uh, Morrison's got the chops for this kind of work. DC does good by having Paul Dini on a Batman title, mm-hmm. but the problem is it's the secondary Batman title, right? Um, you know, and his stuff is far and away better than anything you're seeing on the main Batman title. You know, and, and they need more writers like that. You know, they they should do anything they can to lure lure over some of those Marvel writers like Daniel Way, you know, and some of those guys over to DC because they would be good on DC books. Mm-hmm. And DC, if you're looking for a writer, I'm sure we'd all love to write for you. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no. I would have been hugely disappointed if the only Batman Beyond I got this week was that one page, no story whatsoever. But thankfully, that wasn't the case. Paul, after your glowing review last week of it, I went out and I got the uh, the Superman Batman Annual number four. And I have to second everything you said. This was a great book. I loved what they were doing with Superman in there. Um, he was kind of crossing a few lines you don't expect Superman to cross, but he's had some rough years. And you weren't oh, – I guess you were the only one who picked it up. No, this I I, I, uh, I did the same thing. <laughs> I heard <laughs> your review last week, and I was like, that sounds really good. And I picked it up, and uh, yeah, I don't have a lot to say. It was good. I enjoyed it. I, I loved the cover. I didn't have a problem with the artwork. It was It was a solid issue. Yeah, Batman Superman has been such a hit or miss title for me that I've just stayed away from it. And I was glad to hear your review of this actually pushed me out to buy this book because the annual number four was really good. So you hear you that, know, listeners? Paul's not just a hack. He actually, you know, he knows what he's talking about. Okay. Even a broken clock tr- right twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I wish Jonathan was on today so that he could hear. That's okay. Eric can mix it him saying my, tatish, my taste is shit all through the ish. <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> It'll be just like he was here. <laughs> Aaron, you were the only one who picked up Shield number two this week. Well, and I think I was the only one who enjoyed the first issue. Uh, is is that the reason why you didn't pick it up, Paul? I didn't dislike the first issue. I just didn't. It didn't tickle my fancy. It, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't my thing. Um, and the way that it's being released, you know, with bi monthly, and I'm sure there will be some delays. I just feel like I would be better waiting for the trade on it. I can certainly see that. Uh, I'll just briefly say that it's a beautiful book. The interiors are just gorgeous. Um, I love what Hickman's doing here. You're getting a little bit more uh, of the mythology surrounding you know, this secret organization. And I really, really enjoy it. I, 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 the art direction is fantastic on this book. There are some amazing... 
uh, pages in here that you know you just kind of pour over and look at, and I just the the imagery is wonderful, and uh, I'm just it's really tickling me, and that's all I'll say. Thoroughly but enjoyed. You're, it. you're only referring to the art. What about the story? Oh, same thing. I mean, I, I love what, what's being revealed. I like the way the story is being told. There is one scene uh, in the book where. Uh, all kinds of stuff is going down, and there's been this dove kind of flying around in, in the in the back pages and whatnot. And when they realize that the this explosion is imminent and that something terrible is about to happen, you know, you see the expression on all these guys' faces, and it's side by side panels, four side by side panels. So you've got you know um, you know the bad guy and the two good guys. And then it has a panel of the dove, the dove who's just kind of been around in the in the the uh, you know background throughout the story. The dove says, "Oh no," <laughs> and it just cracked me up. And I, I'm sure that's going to mean something later on. Um, I just I really dig it. I, I I like the mystery to it. I like how we're how we're getting to see some of this background mythology. And there was something really unique they did. Leonardo da Vinci is is, is leading the other character you know to this meeting. And he, the, the character says, well, you know, what's going on? Do you think my father's all right? And there's this whole long bit of dialogue that would never have fit on the page. So they, they put it like a script page, you know, on, on, on the next one. And I was like, oh, I, I guess the book is over. Well, you turn in the page and there's more original content. So I'm so used to Marvel putting these kind of scripts, you know, at the back of the book it was real interesting to have it in the middle to accommodate a whole bunch of dialogue and then move right back into the graphical graphic storytelling. I, I like it. I like this book a lot. So, so I've been pretty negative about the books I read this week. So I do want to hit on one that I originally wasn't going to talk about because it was my book of the week this week. And that was uh, Nemesis number two. Now, is that the, the real Nemesis or the DC Nemesis? That is the real nemesis. The DC nemesis actually f- finished up a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. It was a very confusing but fun read. Now this, the, though, the 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 uh, nemesis that you're talking about, the 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 uh, Mark Millar, I yep. got that right. Uh, nemesis. I didn't pick it up because it's bi-monthly, and I figure I'm going to catch it and trade later on. But I really did enjoy number one. But I know Jonathan and Paul did not. So tell us what you thought of number two. Yeah, and bi-monthly is painful, but. Yeah. We actually see in this issue why he's hunting down policemen and why he's particularly hunting down this one. We get his origin finally, and we see that this guy, there's a reason for this one. It's not that he's just the next one. The whole career of hunting down policemen are all to prepare him for this one policeman. Hmm. And we finally see him potentially make a mistake, and we see the uh, the policeman actually get something over on him. Now, it's you're left wondering... Is that really the case, or has this all been part of a bigger plan? You know, is did they really outsmart him here, or is he really outsmarting them? And personally, I hope they outsmarted him. You know, I want to see him recover from it because I want to see the story go on for a while longer. But I don't want it to be one of those things where he's just everything that happens to him he has planned out. He's just perfect. I, that's not what I want to see. I want to see him. To, I want to see him be able to be outsmarted. You know, I don't want him to have planned for everything. But, yeah, really good issue, my book of the week. I just – I hate that it's bi-monthly too. You know, I read uh, a trade this week, the Villains United trade from the uh, Countdown to Infinite Crisis, and it was kind of the launching point for the mm-hmm. for Gail Simone's Secret Six. And, you know, I've yeah. always heard so many good things about the Secret Six, so I, I wanted to go ahead and, and start from ground zero before I started reading. And I remember I think I read like the first issue of this when it first came out and then just for whatever reason didn't pick it up. But I really liked this book. Have you guys read this? Oh, yeah. I read all of the Secret Six stuff, all of the uh, the Villains United stuff. And I was it was only recently that I dropped the title because I was making hard choices about what to spend the money on. Yeah. Yeah, however, I still bought Batman 700. <laughs> but no, I was a big fan of Secret Six. I mean, I thought the story has kind of petered a little bit now, but the whole title has been really good. And they may, they've done a great job of reinventing characters like Catman. Right. I mean, how lame was he before? And now he's basically Batman. Yeah, no, I I really dug uh, Villains United, and I'll be seeking out the uh, the other trades as well. Yeah, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It was some great runs through there. I I enjoyed it all the way up until I quit buying it. Cool. <laughs> I enjoyed it up until I didn't. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I'll probably go back and buy the trades of it. I'm just not buying it weekly anymore. That was really what I said about my first marriage as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun up until it wasn't. <laughs> you enjoyed well, it until she didn't enjoy yeah. it anymore. <laughs> well, you know, um, this week on ideologyofmadness.com, Wayne put up uh, – his newest edition of Funny Books After Hours, which is an ongoing series. Um, Why, thank you for giving me all the credit for Tim's work. Well, I think that's awesome. <laughs> oh, Tim. I do too. Tim. <laughs> Whatever. We have too many people on this podcast. <laughs> Actually, if you, if you read it, it says Paul. Posted. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been meaning to fix that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, he's yeah. been meaning to fix that really hard at work on that, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the first week it's a dud, he'll fix it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh no, Tim <laughs> totally wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so Tim <laughs> uh, put together uh, the newest edition of Funny Books After Hours, which is a like we said, an ongoing series of topics that we don't get to on the show. Um, and I just wanted to call out to it because the first week we had uh, basically we chose our our ideal Avengers lineup, um, and this week we kind of chose any characters in obscurity or our favorite obscure character um, and who we would give a long a full series or a long mini, you know, just to give them an overhaul. And, um, you know, my choice was the Midnight Suns, the early 90s run of books like Ghost Rider, Spirits of Vengeance, Morbius, Darkhold, um, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme was in them for a little bit. And uh, inspired by that conversation, I actually went out on eBay, and I picked up the original Rise of the Midnight Suns crossover series, uh, the six issues. Yeah. And let me tell you, it, a couple of things that surprised me. One, I, I remembered that all of these were in bags that came with posters. That yeah. When I got them in the mail, they were all still in the original bags, oh, wow. still sealed. I was like, I don't want to open these, but I did anyway. <laughs> I was like, they're 18 you know, years old. <laughs> I thought for a minute you were going to pop back on eBay and buy another copy. <laughs> one to keep one to read yeah. well you know i had a similar experience because you know when we when we wrote our our uh responses to to the to the question you know mine was you know baron Carza for the micronauts and immediately i went out there and i saw that there was a a, a series of novels not you know pr- of uh you know just regular fiction not not the uh, graphic novels that were written i was like oh i didn't know that so i have them now <laughs> <laughs> what I found fascinating was if we weren't talking about these all together, three of us would have picked the exact same character. And that's the one I went with because I said, you know, I don't care if you guys are picking him. Be damned. I'm picking Sleepwalker. And in my case, I didn't have to run out and buy anything because I have every issue of Sleepwalker, you know, sitting in my comic boxes over here. And I have every every tie in that I know, everything he guest starred in. Like uh, Revenge of the Sinister Six over in Spider-Man and a few other things. I even picked up all of those. And I just have been blown away to hear you guys share the love for the character. Because I didn't know anybody else had even heard of the character until you know we started talking about it. <laughs> I, I want Sleepwalker to go viral right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you picked up the League of Losers stuff from Marvel Team-Up? Yep. Wow. Look at that. That's I a real fan. everything he was in. Although that's definitely wasn't the best yeah you know what kind of shocked me in addition to these books these midnight suns being um all sealed up the first issues of all of them were 275 yeah you know and i'm like you know i know i complain about 399 comics and i'm gonna complain about them until i go broke um but 18 years ago comics were only 25 cents cheaper i don't think those were the regular price though no they weren't Th- those yeah, are a special, special, more expensive price. That's a good point, because they were in little baggies and they came with little posters. Right. You know, I really missed the Johnny Blaze with the Hellfire shotgun. That guy yeah. was just cool. He had the trench coat, the the shotgun, and then after he got injured, the, the metal over half of his face. I still have action figures of that, you know, sitting <laughs> up on a shelf of that Johnny Blaze. Well, you know what's awesome? You know, the Midnight Suns. You know, it was for those who aren't in the know. You know, it was kind of a way of tying together all of Marvel's supernatural characters. Supernaturals—that's a real word. Supernatural <laughs> characters into one universe, kind of like um, you know that the Annihilation was with the Galaxy characters right. nowadays. And you know, they they launched 
big. And you know, I'm looking at the creative teams. The, I, just I'm just talking about the artists here. Ghost Rider had the creative team of Andy Kubert, inked by Joe Kubert. Right. Spirits of Vengeance art by Adam Kubert. Morbius was Ron Wagner. Night Stalkers was Ron Garney. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, these guys are big names, you know. And they the and you know, even back then they were big names. So you know, it's like that was a big launch. You know, even bigger than I remember. And they're and they're st- they still read really well. They're they're still really good books. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that Ghost Rider went so downhill near the end because that was pretty much the highlight of it. Is from uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns on into probably the maybe the early fifties or at least the late forties. It was. I really like the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. I like him much better than the Johnny Blaze one. And I thought Johnny Blaze had actually grown as a character and was annoyed that they brought him back as Ghost Rider. I thought it was a huge step backwards and that we've lost something in the character. You know, And I think if they ever brought it back, Sleepwalker would play well into that world. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not exactly a, you know, a magical or mystical character, but he's not exactly a character you explain with science either. So, you know, go out onto ideologyofmadness.com and tell us who you feel would make a great obscure character to bring back from, you know, from the dead, as it were. Uh, someone already went out there, a Vend guy uh, who we, you know, talked about a couple weeks ago on the show, <laughs> you know, was complaining that we didn't bring up any DC characters. So he mentioned Captain Carrot, which, of course, got me thinking about Bucky O'Hare, who I would love to see again, too. Yeah. You know, and that actually brings up a good point. You know why I didn't bring up any DC characters? They already brought him back. Yeah, and Mr. that's a gold would be mine. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was that was mine. I was like, golly, I can't think of a DC character that I'd bring back, you know, because they're all here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, they brought Ice back. They brought Booster Gold back. All of the ones I cared about from back then that were the more obscure characters are already back and they're already in the spotlight. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's why my pick was Marvel for DC because DC's already done it. Yeah, come on, yeah. Marvel. Watch what DC is doing. Bring back my well, obscure and, characters. And also, if you have a if you have a question, you guys want us to tackle, let us know too. Because that's right. Because no, I don't want to go that far. Tip to come up with a topic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still just as easy for Paul to take the credit. So yep, that's right. <laughs> it's interaction, Wayne. You got to interact with the fans <laughs> <laughs> or fan, whatever. <laughs> well, hey, I was looking at what's coming out this week. I think I'm only buying four comics this week. What? There's not a whole lot coming out uh, the week of the 16th. Now I have to go look. I don't know what's coming out this week. I think I'm picking up uh, New Avengers number one, but of course there's like 12 different variant covers for that. Um, I'm picking up uh, Brightest Day number four, Birds of Prey number two. There was one other Marvel book I'm getting. Uh, which I, suddenly escapes me, but I mean, I, just it's not a very big week for me. I'm getting X Factor Forever number four. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm. You know, I'm going to be picking up uh, the the new Batman Beyond miniseries. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Brightest Day, of course, and I'll, I will definitely pick up New Avengers. I'm, I'm uh, you know, the the of course the second coming uh, whatever book comes out next week. Uh, Jurassic Park starts next week from IDW, and I'm kind of curious about that too. Now, is that a a, a new story in that in that world or is that just a retelling of the novel no it's actually new stories in that world eh, might be interesting so, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I didn't i didn't look at the other publishers i was just looking at marvel and dc i'm kind of curious about joker's asylum harley quinn but it'll be one of those books there's a lot of books that i look at when i see what's coming out and i think yeah that sounds really good and then i get in the store and i start flipping through it and i put it back so i think that's one of my that's one of my maybes on the list is joker's asylum harley quinn because I love the Harley Quinn character, but some of the Joker's Asylum stuff is the stylized art. And like I've said many times, I just don't care for overly stylized art. And I have to admit, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's just going to be one. That's that's going to be the comment. <laughs> oh. Now everybody has one but Aaron. <laughs> everybody oh. but the guy editing. I wonder how that works. Yeah, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I know what I'm, what I'm totally going to admit. I'm actually going to be picking up the One Moment in Time Amazing Spider-Man storyline that starts in a couple of issues. Seriously. You don't regret it. that. I think it's great that you are so willing to go back to the trough that they keep pissing in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to put this out there. I want everyone to re- to hear this. This is Marvel has 
released a first look at the September Spider-Man books. First sentence. With Peter Parker's one moment in time behind him and Mary Jane back in his life, Spidey finds himself ready for a new start. Well, I guess I know what happens in one moment in time. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it hasn't started yet. Uh, horrible spoiling solicits. You know what, Paul? If it's good, I want you to mail it to me because I don't want to give them any money for a Spider-Man title, <laughs> considering how bad it is, but I'll read it. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, if it's going to be the end of the brand new day stuff and set up for, a, you know, Spider-Man and Mary Jane back together and, you know, return to some classic Spider-Man storytelling, I'll give it a shot. If they, if they redo the continuity and bring it back, then there's a chance I'll come back to the book. But the art has to be better than it is right now, and the stories have to get good again. I just want to bring up one last point of order. Um, anytime you guys bring up solicitations, Aaron, I think like Paul should be made to uh, review something ridiculously crappy, like another Grant Morrison book. <laughs> <laughs> anytime he ruins something for me or Jonathan, it's like, okay, guess you're reading well, Birds of Prey. <laughs> you know what? I read enough crappy books as is. <laughs> yeah, but I think it would be kind of fun to get to choose the shitty book that Paul reads. Oh. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm talking about Amazing Spider-Man. I'm sure my punishment will be there. Oh, uh, I know it will be. But you know what? It's uh, written by Mark Wade, and you guys like Irredeemable and Incorruptible. I do like Mark Wade. I do like Mark Wade. That is true. So I'm going to give it a shot. Wish me luck. All right. Well, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> we'll miss you, Paul. <laughs> you know what? They're still not changing the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on that note, we will adjourn. You guys, yep, have I a have week. a three-hour car ride to Metropolis, Illinois to look forward to. A so I'm out of here. All See right. Ya. <laughs> you guys have Next a good one. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Awesome, and you're lame. And I have to admit, I totally lost my train of thought.